Amused Boosh is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Actually, it's one of your tattoos as we've been trying to reach you about your car's extended (laughs) warranty. Hello, everyone. My name is Jen. My name's Abby. And this is Amused Bush. Oh, my God, Abby. This mm-hmm. might be... I'm, this is one of my favorite days. Um, so with us today, we have Chef Sam Hart of Counter. Hola. Hi. Man, I don't know how we got lucky enough to get you in the studio, but we're going to cheers, cheers with the very nice wine that you brought in. Yes. Cheers. Are, okay. Wow. Okay, hold on. Let's you all tell us what sip. we're drinking real quick? Yeah, so this is uh, from Burgundy. Greatest mm. place ever. Oh, my God. But what's really cool about this is it's from a place called Santenay, which is like right in like up near like Loire where they're known for white wine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like very, very few Santenays are white. So Chardonnay. So I think it's like 3% of the fruit grown there is white instead of red. Wow. So it's just, it's, it's a fun little quirky, cool wine. Yeah. This one's from Elaine Corsia. And uh, the guy who sold me this is now my wine director because I poached him. So it's like a nice so little. So is that the guy we met? Bill. Bill. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Bill Cox. Bill Cox. That's it. That's how Not I remember. Not the other Sams. Wink. Are there a no. bunch of Sams? There's another Sam. Or are there more Bills? There's, there's, I wish there was more Bills. There's, so there's two of us Sams. Okay. We were 100% in the front of house until next week, and then we'll have Bill. Bill or King Nye Friday. Wine guy. Oh, that's good. You I want to start that. saying that. You're welcome. I want to do that. I, do <laughs> I was that. thinking more of like the fifth dimension, like, will you marry me, Bill? But it's oh. only because... You just want access to wine all the time. It's an ulterior motive. I will do whatever. I'll sing whatever jingles you guys want uh, in order to get connected. Oh, man, I haven't thought about jingles yet. Yeah. We can make them for you. If you need a jingle. We can do a jingle. Maybe you should do a jingle of the day. Like, every day it's a different jingle. All right, I'm going to drop you a sick beat. Are you ready? I'm sorry. I got distracted by the excitement (laughs) in your face. It was really intense. We'll work on that. Yeah. We'll come back to that beat. I'll work. For those uh, of you who couldn't see it, it looked like jazzercising. It was jazzercising. But it was a lot like the last the episode's Winnie the it Pooh dance. <laughs> That's the last one I did my little Winnie the Pooh dance from this little So chip. for those of you that don't know <laughs> Chef Sam of Counter, uh, how would you describe, because this is, a, everybody that we've talked to that has gone to this place has said, this doesn't feel like Charlotte. Yep. You will not feel like you are in Charlotte. You will feel like you are in New, New York. York. Chicago, LA, any, any of the yeah. big places that we associate with fine dining. And the other mm-hmm. thing they will say is, I've never had anything like this in Charlotte. Yeah. There's nothing else like it in so, Charlotte. So what's your elevator pitch? Like, what is what is Counter? So uh, we tell people that Counter is a musically paired, story-driven tasting menu. So we do pair music with our tasting menu. Uh, We're the first restaurant in the world to do that. Uh, But more importantly, that music, the food itself, the way that we go about executing the experience, it's all about telling a certain story. So we've done 27 different menus so far. Uh, We're, you know, every three months we completely change our theme and our menu, and then we do a special menu once a month. But obviously, the number one thing that we want to do for service uh, is the food. So a lot of people, and it's nice for us because we come in, like people have very low expectations. They're like, oh, this is just going to be one of those like experiential dining, yeah. like dinner and a movie type things. <laughs> and then they realize, oh shit, they can actually cook. You yeah. know, that's pretty cool. Like so um, yeah, so without a doubt, uh, number one priority is the food. Uh, we've done almost 300 different dishes since we first opened. And it completely 
covers the gamut with you know what cuisine, what style, even you know diving back into previous generations of cookery, things like that. But I will say that um, I understand that it comes from a good place, and like people like mean it as a compliment to say that they don't feel like in Charlotte or. You know, this is the first time they experience something in Charlotte, but you know, one of our biggest goals is that this kind of food, this kind of experience, this restaurant is Charlotte. Yeah. And so, you know, we want to be a part of, and there are quite a few other chefs and restaurateurs that want to do this too. But you know, we're definitely wanting to bring Charlotte into what it should be as a food scene. Um, right. So, yeah. I I definitely think I hear that a lot. Is that. Yeah. The way that I think about Charlotte, now I have lived here now for nine years, and when I first moved here, I said, all that I need for a city, my requirements are that you have Google Fiber, a professional, or just some kind of high-speed internet. nine years ago? Yeah, I was like, high-speed high speed internet, right? <laughs> and, like, really high-speed. Um, a professional football, like, soccer team. Okay. Check. So we checked check. out. Like, just checked nine in. Years just ago? recently checked Yes, out. because I've cared about soccer forever. <laughs> so that mattered to me when I moved Learning here. Learning something. Went to the independent. so niche. <laughs> and then a zoo. All right. So I'm still short on the one because I don't understand why I got to drive out in the middle of nowhere. I grew up in a place where there was like the best zoo ever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm surprised that you like a zoo, actually. Yeah. You would be surprised. I also like pelts. I'm surprised if you haven't been to South End on a Friday night. I mean, that's I, that is a zoo. That's a motherfucking zoo. Anyway. I mean, most of them throw up enough to where they won't make that noise. But, you know. <laughs> but all of that to say, right, there are things that I said were like my requirements for like a city to make it like yeah. the city worth living in, right? Yeah. And I think for food-oriented people, this is something that we had been missing mm-hmm. that now yeah. exists in Charlotte. There's like, yeah. there's the nicer restaurants that are in Charlotte, but I think the experiential part of this where you're telling a story that changes every three months, that's not something that, that we've had, unless it's happening in someone's garage and we just aren't invited. That oh, has that not been accessible <laughs> to us till now. But and also, it, if you're listening, you can get to us at Amuse Bush Pod. I have a garage if you want to come hang out in it and I'll serve <laughs> you stuff and play music. Like, it's not the same yeah. as, as what you guys are doing. And I think it would be one thing if you saw this gap and foamed it in. But that's mm-hmm. clearly not what's happening. Like you just yeah. said, the food itself is s- uh, some of the best that I've yeah. had. Oh, so that's yeah. not Charlotte. That's everywhere. Yeah. Thanks. So paired with that story and that experience that you get, it's just so intentional, mm-hmm. which feels like you walk in the door. And from the, I mean, I was even, this is just, I was standing outside waiting for Abby. And the other Sam came yeah. outside and was like, hey don't wait out here. Come on in. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And from that moment, we were cared for. Yeah. Um, and we were we were tucked into that story. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you have to realize that that's not, that's that's a new iteration of dining in Charlotte. I For right now. I, yeah. You know, I, and it's impossible to, it's impossible for any chef to think, oh man, I want to change this city all by myself. And like, there's so many chefs who really want to push the city, and there's chefs that are outside the city, the city, oh, outside of the, the shitty city. city. There you no. go. <laughs> that like want to, you know, come in here and open up shop, and you know, there is a lot of talk about how we have a very close knit, you know, friendly, meshy chef community here in Charlotte, and then you know, Axios totally blew that shit up like a week ago and really exposed that, no, that's like not the case at all. And, you know, one thing that I think is very important is we need to have more chefs, more young cooks, 
who grow and want to learn and push themselves to then push the city, and then they become successful themselves. They open up their own places, and then you know all of a sudden we actually have you know a food city because not one person is going to do mm. that. Yeah. You know, so that's you know the beauty of what I tell every single person that comes in to work at the restaurant is that I want you to be here for at least a year, but I don't want you to hear be here more than three years. Mm. Yeah. Because you need to learn as much as you can. Go and do your thing. You want to talk about a leader? Yeah. Because that I mean so. I'm coming from corporate world, right? That's where I do my day-to-day, right? This is my fly-by-night thing. Mm -hmm. And the best leaders are the ones that say, I want to work for you someday, or I want you to be out of here and do what you want to do. Outgrow me, Mm -hmm. right? And so just to hear you say that, again, not everybody's getting that experience. Mm -hmm. You know, that's an opportunity that that doesn't show itself all the time. Well, speaking of of leaders, Mm -hmm. where did you start? Who were your mentors that that sort of led you to this point in your career? So I had a previous career. I was in uh, advertising sales, started off in billboards, went into radio, and I was actually pretty good at it. You're um, doing okay here. I was doing, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, I was doing okay. <laughs> and, um, and then I just had the idea for Counter, this is like almost seven years ago, had the idea for Counter, and then I literally quit my job two days later and went to culinary school. Where? And uh, Where did you go? Central Piedmont Community College, Hell the yeah. number one like culinary school in the Southeast United States now. Isn't that a That's big deal? Amazing. It's huge. It's, it's, huge. it's a huge deal. Well, massive. It's I just, a huge deal. I just read, I think it was on uh, the New York Times. There was a whole article yesterday yeah. about how people are spending thousands and thousands of dollars to go to those big name culinary mm-hmm. schools. But really, if you're just trying to get a foot in the door, like, the basic ones that are community college driven, like that's good enough, and there's still really, really good programs. And the thing there. is that good enough doesn't perfectly, you know, personify these programs. They're better, yeah. Um, because you know, when you look at these programs like CPCC, you know, I had so much more hands-on experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very fortunate enough to um, realize that I was coming into the game late. You know, I was 23 years old. Um, which that is actually that late? very late for yeah. the chefing community. I mean, you yeah. look at the other chefs here in Charlotte, you know, they started at a very, very young age. And so I knew that I was coming in late. And so I knew that I had to find a mentor, someone that I could really, you know, study everything that they knew how to do so that I could go learn from another mentor and keep on going. So thankfully, my very first day when I was at CPCC, I met Chef Rob Marilla, who's now the dean of the whole program. And I said, sign me up for every single thing that you need to volunteer for. You know, I want to learn as much as I can from you. You know, can I come in early, all that stuff. And so he really kind of kept me under his wing while I was in culinary school and um, did some competitions, went down to Orlando where he tried out and got onto uh, Team USA for the American Culinary Federation, stuff like that. And so I really got to learn a lot from that. But, um, you know, I kind of just hit this roadblock uh, here in Charlotte because I knew – what I wanted to do was a tasting menu restaurant, but there at the time there was no tasting menu restaurants in Charlotte. And uh, no, sorry, there was one tasting menu restaurant in Charlotte. It was where I was working at. Mm. Um, yeah, I went from making nice, like, comfortable six-figure salary to making eight dollars an hour. Yeah, you know, that was fantastic. Yep. Um, the now ex-wife did not like that one. So anywho, we move on. And did you do six figures by the time you were 23? I'm sorry. I just have to circle yeah. back to that. that okay. That's a different so, planet so already. So advertising uh, is where we should. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I was hustling. I bet. Because everyone that was working at iHeart was so old school and they didn't realize that you could like look up people's LinkedIn's and like <laughs> blast emails uh, to people and right. set a shit ton of meetings up. Yeah. They were just like knocking on doors or going to the You're chamber just like of the commerce. most successful kid and yeah. Yeah. 
They're like, here's your goal of fifty thousand dollars in new business, and then like, here's a five hundred thousand dollar contract. Thank right. you so much. Like, yeah. I'll take my commission and go drink a bunch of tequila. At BGB. <laughs> like, and but I blew all that money. I wish I saved some of it, but I blew all. Well, when you're twenty three, like, yeah. where you you can't be expected to be oh. responsible at that age. Who has a four hundred one k? That's why we're not supposed to make that kind of money at twenty three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's correct. It's so bad. But um, then I had this roadblock in Charlotte, and. Um, you know, I really wanted to learn from someone else. And, um, you know, I reached out to a lot of chefs here in Charlotte and I got cold shouldered by all of them, um, which was really unfortunate. And, uh, you know, I decided to go up to Chicago and that's where it got really funny because, you know, this article came out about how, you know, student at CPCC goes to three Michelin star restaurant in Chicago. Um, cause I did a stage in uh, Chicago at a restaurant called Alinea and I got the job there, and so there's like this little tiny blurb that went out from CPCC that I was going up there to work. And all of a sudden, this Facebook page called Chefs of Charlotte, you know, they post the thing, and they said, oh, congratulations, best of luck, you know, we hope you do so great. And then, you know, me being a very full of myself, you know, bratty, you know, young culinarian, I go, I wish I didn't have to go all the way up to Chicago, but, you know, no one wanted to teach me here, so here I go. Yeah. And that made a lot of enemies that I didn't realize were enemies until, you know, two years later when I come back to Charlotte. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it was just, Chicago was an incredibly humbling experience. I had a very huge ego, you know, very, very confident in myself of who I was, but Chicago, it will blow you over. It like it just, it, oh my God, it <laughs> broke me hard. Um, and so I worked at a couple of restaurants up there and then, you know, I, I told myself and, you know, who's the guy who's my business partner, uh, William Brinkley. Um, he's kind of a family friend. I mean, he's family. And I told him, I said, hey, if we're going to be the first restaurant to ever do this, because he knew about this idea of this restaurant, you know, two years after I came up with it. I said, if we're going to be the first people to ever do this, like, we need to start going now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we put in the schedule of, okay, we need to find the right people, we need to find the money, and we need to find the location. And what's cool is that we found all three of those things in the midst of COVID. Yeah. So we built the restaurant. So we signed the lease, built the restaurant, opened the restaurant fully staffed the restaurant, and we're actually going to be moving from that location all within COVID. So this is a completely 100% COVID restaurant, which is crazy to think of. Does anything, so did anything that you were planning to do shift, like the way that you were planning to have this experience? What changed about that during COVID? Because you had this vision, and then you had the constraints of the situation. Well, we'll say like inside of the restaurant industry, a small like tasting menu where you're not, stuffing 60 people in there at a time no. has to lend itself or organically a little bit better, but you still have to make some, but shifts, even, I would but think. even to yeah. that, I would think too, that, you know, that is more of a, a special occasion, right? It's an yeah. indulgence, which right. in the, in the midst of a situation that everyone could be impacted by, you know, you, you're making choices about where you're going, right? I'll choose yeah. so, food anytime. I mean, <laughs> and once yeah. now we have been once and we're already just like, we want to go to this one and this one and this one and this one. The vein so. has been tapped. It's Sam. done. The vein it's has done. been tapped. If you think or know you had COVID-19, you can be around others after 10 days since symptoms first appeared and after 24 hours with no fever without fever-reducing medication and after other symptoms have improved. If you have tested positive for COVID-19 and you had no symptoms, 
you can be around others 10 days after you got tested for COVID-19. To learn more, visit cdc.gov coronavirus. With the restaurant, you know, we definitely made some sacrifices, but they weren't really sacrifices. So um, we initially budgeted out this restaurant to be, it was going to be a build that was around $900,000, and it was going to be uh, 15 seats, and I had the kitchen designed out, everything. It's like, this is how we're going to do it. And we actually had a location, too. It was going to be in Dilworth, of all Mm -hmm. places. And, you know, once COVID hit, Investors weren't interested anymore. I couldn't do any more pop-ups to, you know, garner up interest. And so we thought it was dead in the water. And then we were approached by uh, the City Kitchen, and they said, hey, we got the space. We want to make it into a restaurant. This is how much it would be, you know, and then you can design it any way you want to, you know, what have you. And then all of a sudden, we went from having to budget $900,000, which is a massive amount of money, and now we were able to open up that restaurant on $25,000. That's I know, which is the most outrageous thing ever. Oh, my God. Like, oh my God. I've had a couple chefs throughout the country ask me, you know, so, like, what was it like opening up this restaurant? He's like, what You're did you... Super like, cheap, dude. It? I was like, dude, this is the cheapest restaurant <laughs> oh of all God. time. It's like, it costs more money to open up a Subway than it does to open up counters. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, it was phenomenal. But, you know, we definitely had to sacrifice a lot of things. The beauty of it is, is that we always held on to those plans. We always held on that idea. And that's exactly what Counter 2.0 is going to be. Excellent. So, I mean, it definitely increased in how much it costs. It went from $900,000 to like $1.2 million. And so I tell people all the time, you know, if you really want to see what this restaurant is going to do, you know, see it in the new location. Um, Because we're, I mean, it's crazy. We're going to have every single, you know, kitchen, toy, piece of equipment, you know, it's going to be much more refined. I think that's the best way to do it. Because right now, it's like you walk into an art gallery, and they've got a couple tables, and then food just starts coming out. But with the new place, like, it is very obvious that this was built for that experience. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited, and I think we need to dig in a little bit more about what the counter experience is oh like. God. because I'm going to get emotional. Every, I mean, I, I was there with you, right? Like, I mean, it was an emotional experience. But the, the most important thing, and you've already mentioned this, Jen, is that no, no one visit to counter will be alike. Uh, you know, it's like a good improv show. Yeah, you go again; it'll never be the same. It's never going to be the absolutely. same. Absolutely, and so, and I think there's there's something really valuable to that, right? You know, if you have the same thing, you're going to be chasing that experience of the first yeah. time that you had it. Yeah. And so, you know, what I love about what you're doing at counter is is that you know you're you're making these new things. Everything is different, but adding on to that, right? Because the place you walk into is going to be different, right? Right. Because you're intentional about the art on the walls. Mm -hmm. You're intentional about the music that's playing in the background. Wow. Sorry. Wow. Oh, my God. Fucking spammers. Yeah, you need to... Do you want to get that? Do you need to get it? Answer it and give them your social (laughs) security number. I think I I just extended my warranty. Your cars... We've been trying to reach you. Actually, it's one of your tattoos that says we've been trying to reach you about your car's extended (laughs) warranty. That's fantastic. That'd be such a strong tattoo. It really would. um, So taking that landing pad of more about the experience um, and just thoughtfulness. You know, people, it's my favorite question to be asked because it allows us to really show people how much we care about what we're doing. You know, I get asked the question all the time. It's like, how long does it take you to, you know, figure this stuff out? And it's like, uh, you know, about four to five years. (laughs) And they're like, what? I was like, yeah. Like, we start telling artists 
this is what the theme is going to be and that we want to have artwork around this theme almost a year in advance. We start working on menus. So I'm working on menus for like four years from now. Um, like I was walking around with a Mario Kart theme song stuck in my head. Like, Shut up. We're going to be there. We fucking love it. But like last week it was all, I was like singing in my head and they're like, they're like, why are you singing about that? I was like, ah, that's something we're doing in 2024. Sorry. <laughs> oh my God. So like, and the reason why it's like, this isn't, like it's not a joke that we plan it out that far in advance. It's because we have to come up with a at least ten course dinner that fits the seasonality of when whenever it's going to be done. Write a story mm. that focuses and works with that menu, and then I have to find music that pairs with it, and then somehow make it all come together. And all the logistics around yeah. when You're they get served. Broadway in hell. shows. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what what's like. happening. Yeah. I will say yeah. that this explains a lot about why. Uh, I have a lot of ideas for counter. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's like, all right, I can see why all my great ideas are probably not going to make it to the forefront. <laughs> but also, I are, like yeah, the first... Yeah, licensing onto that? Uh, exactly, right? Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I can see no that. Beatles yeah. dinner, but no Beatles dinner, no Marvel uh, dinner. See, Sorry, guys. I feel like ELO is going to be cool with it. So we're so, going that route. So mm -hmm. we saw the, or experienced rather, the Tarantino. Mm -hmm. He's a killer. And it was... Yeah. Because <laughs> violence. Um, but I, and I'll say this, like I have seen some of Tarantino's work, but mm -hmm. I am not like a super fan by any stretch. Yeah. But what the experience did for me is made me appreciate it more. Yeah. Right. And it made me want to go home and watch all the movies. Exactly. Yeah. And then look back at all of my pictures of the dishes. And, and so this is what I'm curious about inside of all of this planning. Where does your super fandom come in? Is this like things that you're oh. nerdy about? So I always like to say I do one menu for me. I do one menu for them. Okay. So, Tarantino was definitely a menu for me. Okay. Um, and what's interesting is like those menus, we don't spend as much time planning out as the other ones. We spend about a fourth of the amount of time putting together like the Tarantino dinner as we do a main theme dinner. Um, because there's so much more what we call magic and nostalgia involved in our main dinners. Okay, but we'll there's so much Jesus. more, I know. <laughs> yeah. There's but more? What's, funny is, like, what's funny is like you get so many people that just – they only come to special dinners and then you have a lot of people who only come to main themes. And it's like, sometimes I just want to be like, go into this other dinner. It's like, just experience this in a different light. I don't think anybody who's gone to counter needs a push like that. Like yeah, just we'll go. We'll, we'll be, be there. Shocked. It'll be a, like, a matter of like availability oh at this point. I like 20 people. They only come to theme, like the, the, the main like dinner. one off, really? no, like no, the one off one dinners. Off. Yeah. And they'll only come to a certain kind of one off dinner. Um, which is always like really interesting. Like there's, we have a, such a weird, diverse, like we, we hit all these little tiny niche communities mm. and then we kind of throw them in the same room together, which is super cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's a wild thing, but you know, the other thing you have to think in a place and like, so with this idea stewing in my brain for six years before we opened the thing, you know, I was like, okay, we have to. We have to, you know, turn over every single stone. It's like, you know, the artwork on the wall has to play into it. You know, the placemat has to play into it. The plate has to the play into it. The ceramics that you had everything. somebody make <laughs> by hand. Yeah. I mean, it's all North Carolina ceramics. Um, and except for one, it's for Crate and Barrel because, you know, we're a restaurant. Everyone's got Crate and Barrel in the restaurant. <laughs> but, you know, it just made me obsess over every single little tiny detail because, each person in that room is going to find one of those little tiny details and it's going to be different for each and each person, but they're all going to appreciate the same amount, you know? Yeah. So they're going to be like, Oh man, you sauce that to the beat of the music or, Oh man, this plate, you know, fits, you know, how you had it tiled out on your, 
on your pass or, you know, this, you know, whatever, this has a spice kick in it because of a certain lyric in this song, you right. know, whatever it may be. And if each person can get one of those moments, you know, that means a lot. And you can, and it's very obvious when someone doesn't get one of those moments when they're dining there because they come in and they're like thinking it's going to be, you know, like X, Y, Z steak, you know, place. Mm. And, you know, you just, you watch them sit down and you're like, okay, all right, this is going to be one of the, you it's know, 5% of, of people who are just like not going to enjoy this <laughs> and that's okay, but we're going to give them the best experience that we can. It's a wild ride. It is a wild ride. It's a wild ride. I'll share my moment. I was going to ask. If you're interested. I was going to ask. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't remember the the film that it was tied to, but it was the one that had eight different sauces. The paint splatters. Yeah. Yeah. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Yes. You guys literally made art. And you and it was a team effort, and and we'll talk about again. Like it takes a fucking village to make this whole thing yeah. run. Your vision is not just living in your head; it is being executed by this entire team. And it was fascinating to watch. But you literally did like a conveyor belt of splattering different sauces mm-hmm. on these plates, to such that it was flying. It was like, flying. I got a pew, yeah, we like, got some splat, and that was yeah, part it was of it. Awesome. It was like a Gallagher show. Yeah. Like yeah. we needed a poncho, oh, yeah. but. But it was it was watching art be created, and then we got to eat it. Yeah, yeah. and then again, every single sauce has its own flavor and paired so well with the pork. It was yep. like coffee rubbed, and it oh was just God, incredible. Oh. I also at the time I was like, I need my fair share of like tenderloin and whatever, and Mm-mm, I was just like, one. I was like, well, this is the perfectly cooked perfect bite. bite, and I've I've had plenty that I thought was good, and this is the perfect like to the temperature, like to the point oh one degree, like. And if perfect. I were alone, I would have licked the whole plate. I would have just. He, he it was that. amazing. It was incredible. Yeah. And I will say, it, beyond all, you know, the the food itself and the experience, because everything is so coordinated, it is a dance. Everything in here, the, because there's music, there's you know art on the wall, and then every single person in here um, rotates around each other such yeah. that it's it's choreographed mm-hmm. and it's beautiful and and it looks busy but it's you know it's all very intentional and it's just such a delight for the eyes as much as it is for your nose and for your mouth and so it's a full you know sensory experience um to, to everything that you're doing um but what i appreciated the most was that little sam was mm-hmm. always taking care of me because all i was time. like 10 courses and I was like, I'm not going to be able to finish a single one in, in its entirety. And I like felt guilty about it because of how good it was. And yeah. I was like, but if I don't, I'll throw up and that'll be terrible for everyone. <laughs> That's a different kind of That's art we're I not really going night. with. Oh, yeah. man. I had a 24 fourths of dinner last night. Oh, my God. And then we, we got a burger from downstairs <laughs> to come up in the middle of that dinner, too. Where were you? I was at Smith. It's a two Michelin restaurant in okay. Chicago. Oh, okay. And Yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, he just at, rolled flew, in from Chicago. No fucking deal. Like. But the number one burger in Chicago, I think it's the best burger in the entire country, is downstairs of their like little you know bar called loyalist and it's a playoff of a big mac and it is oh. so good so we got it you know as we were going into desserts you know no big deal. Yeah. yeah but i i thought i was gonna die you know like <laughs> three quarters into it i was like this i'm done so this yeah. is one of those things that i've always like dreamed about as being like my ideal scenario where it's it's like 24 courses but it's over the course of like 12 hours mm-hmm. where it's an entire day so like if and you, you were in like maps. sonoma or wherever you are yeah. yeah and there's like experiences so like you're walking down through a garden right and there's mm-hmm. something there that you can get and then like that's like my dream of uh, Ooh, and right. also like that. You're Europe. There's like your highest end tasting menus song. are like that. You're singing my song. You know, it, when you go to eat at um, like Noma or Alchemist, yeah. you're going to spend five or six hours there. Yeah. You know, when you go to, um, what's another great example? So like when you go to El Salar Condoroca, you know, you're going to spend four or five hours there. And that is kind of an eventual goal, like way down the line, because counter 2.0 is not the final counter either. Right. So yeah. I totally 
get that that's like that's where food I think food is going in like two drastically different directions and they're both positive but that's definitely one of them it's like you're going to have like if you book to eat at a certain restaurant you're going to get there at three o'clock in the afternoon four o'clock in the afternoon and you're going to go home at like eight or nine it's a vacation that's it that's That's the whole experience now I want to ask you this because some of the things that we were experiencing here literally okay so from the very first dish that we had at our mm-hmm. particular night again no you're not going to get this when pictures. you go let me, right let me remind myself yeah, so it was so a white cake with caviar it was a white cake with caviar yeah. with what an asparagus fuck? cream but <laughs> that wasn't even so you're just starting to talk about it right the first thing we do is uh, like somebody just starts putting out like caviar and we're like Oh, so we're starting here. Like, yeah. right, great. This is the start of oh, we this like experience. we like to punch you in the face right Yeah, when you walk which is in. my total, like, that's my vibe. strawberries. So that's what I was getting at. Oh, man. Is Those, that you start yeah. the conversation with, oh, and by the way, we brought in these teeny tiny amazing strawberries from France mm-hmm. that cost more than the caviar. Yeah. Like, so upset and, by that. And the, this yeah. is how Shout strawberries should sellers. taste, right? And so to have these itty bitty little teeny weeny babies mm-hmm. is amazing. Now, I'm going to do a slight pivot because I just watched a video and I need to ask you this. Have yes. you heard about these amazing strawberries in Japan that are like supposed to be incredible, but they're huge? So, I yes. An, I'm curious about your opinion on this. Yes. So, one thing that uh, being born and raised in North Carolina has kind of just instilled in me is that the more you showcase the natural flavor of things, the better it's going to be. Mm. And I think, you know, what's really cool in, in Japan, um, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but it is really, it's still really cool, is that they do a lot of, uh, like, modifications and they do a lot of, like, science mm. um, to make things more unique and better. I mean, I, I used to get, um, when I was working in Chicago, we used to get these individually wrapped zucchini um, that were genetically modified. So they were all exactly the same size, same length, mm-hmm. same diameter, everything. But they tasted like a zucchini times 10, and they were wild, and they were outrageously expensive. So, like, one thing that I've noticed about Japan is, like, when you think about it, Japan is one of the most populous countries in the world, but it's so small. Mm, yeah. Like, they're trying to, like, make things more unique so that the price can go up so that farm that's only, yeah. only like, one acre large can make the same as a 10-acre one. Yeah. I've not had one of the strawberries, but I have seen them, and they are pretty cool. So going back to it, though, I mean, the fact that you are bringing in, even from the very first dish that we had, like, it set the stage for us to understand a little bit about you, I think, to to have, you know, this amazing white cake. But again, it's just like, it's a cake with, like, like, almost no sugar in it, you know? And it's just this beautiful texture to go with, you know, the saltiness of the, it's like beluga caviar, right? And then, Mm -hmm. like, the, you know, the sweet little strawberries. like. This was one of my favorite dishes yeah, of agreed. the night. And I it agree. Was, it was the start. So it yeah. was just every single bit of it on its own was perfect. But the combined bite was a, just something that if you if you had asked me, would that go together? I'd be like, <laughs> nah, dude, that sounds gross. But yeah. it was perfect. Thank yeah. you. Thank it you. was. That was I a agree. fun dish to put together. And, <sighs> just staring and to be at honest, it. like, yeah. you know, the reason why that dish is so good is because we sucked at making first dishes originally. <laughs> um, I'm very thankful for people who um, aren't afraid to give us con- constructive criticism. Like a lot of restaurants and a lot of chefs are like, you know, they kind of scoff at when people tell them, you know, certain pieces of feedback and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But no, we listen. To, we're not going to do something about every single one. <laughs> right. But like, we do want to hear that because it's the only way that you grow. It's the only way that you can improve. So there's a um, a couple here in Charlotte that they've dined at you know all these most amazing restaurants. Friends. We sat next we to sat some next to some people like that. I think they were Maybe. regulars with you guys. Well, also you were sitting next to our new chef de cuisine. I'm sure not sure if you noticed that, but yeah, he was there too, which is wild. 
On which side of yeah, us? Yeah, he was. I think he was on the right side. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was. Oh. He was dining solo, but he might have oh, been. Oh, we oh, may have oh, missed him. Yeah. Then. Oh, but he was next he was to the other lady there. that was. Yeah, he was right somewhere there. Okay, there. got it. Cool. But um, but anyway, um, you know, this couple they've eaten well over a hundred Michelin stars. You know, they're yes. very strong, and uh, the gentleman one time, you know, very, very directly, very honestly came up to me. He was like, "Your first course sucked," mm-hmm. and he was like your first courses should be, you know, very impactful and yours kind of just like, you know, hit with a little, you know, thud. Mm. And I went back to the drawing board, not only for that course, but I went back to the drawing board for every single first course that we had for the rest of it. And yeah. I was like, okay, is this impactful? So that's why we were like, okay, we're going to punch people in mm-hmm. the face with the first course Succeeded. with every single yeah. menu. And you wait know, till he hears what I have to say yeah. about the eighth course. Which number was that? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so like, you know, it that was, you know, that just shows that, and it's something that we instill in every single person that works there is that our three strongest dishes when we start a menu should be our three weakest dishes when we end the menu because our weakest dishes should be our strongest dishes, which is exactly how it's been with every single yeah. menu that we've gone. Like we actually edited and changed um, one of the dishes on our cinema menu the last night of service. And people are like, you know, I had one of our right. employees go, you know, why are we changing this literally in, you know, at midnight for this menu? And I was like, well, it can be better. You know, we should, our final service, we should say that was the best service that we've had. And what's really cool is that every single menu except for one, our very last service that we did was our best service. So it, it just shows, A, it shows how awesome the team at Counter is because they're willing to constantly improve themselves and change things up and listen to feedback and work on it. But, you know. You're th- sure it's really not just it Stockholm syndrome? Oh, that they've been that's stuck there for so long that they're. <laughs> I mean, they have been there quite some time. You've I mean, got a really like yeah, tenured team. Yeah, they've been together for. So all the people who are there right now have been together for a year, except for our new CDC that starts this week. He actually mm-hmm. starts tomorrow. He's staying at my place for two weeks. <laughs> my girlfriend's all about it. I'm too. sure she is. That's she like, actually legitimately is. So, yeah. She she's like he is like. So you gonna easy... be cooking breakfast and shit while he's there? No, he's just clean as fuck. Oh neat. Awesome. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. And he doesn't mind the cats. How many cats do you have? I got two. Oh, two cats. What are their names? Assholes. Assholes. Rue and Mopo. Mopo. Sorry, Rue and Mopo. Rue and Mopo. Yeah. Culinary terms. So like just like a flower like a and butter yeah. bay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then Mopo. This yeah, is all right. This Mopo is kinda, I'm not gonna lie. Yes. Yeah. This is like a little fucked up. So Mopo means pot-faced old grandmother <laughs> in Chinese. It's me. So I, that's, because that's what the tofu looks cats. like when you yeah, cook yeah, it in the yeah. oil, and it's like a super old school recipe. And I named my boy cat that. So yeah. You know. Love it. Little grandma. Cat. Yeah. It's like boy mate. Boy named Sue, you know. Yeah. That type Which of deal. Also that's Johnny Cash. Grumpy, grumpy old bats. They are. I have two. That's Leonard. Right there. Jerks. But so they're t- sweet. So tell me about course number. You, you have yeah, well, was, do you want to know my? Uh, yeah, I would. I, so I have absolutely. So course no number eight would have been Jackie Brown, right? It would have been the tacos. So no, it wasn't. No, that it then. wasn't tacos. No, uh, it's the, the halibut. Halibut. Oh, the halibut. The halibut ended up being my least favorite dish. Really? It was. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. So. Oh, was it the sushi? That was bite? the sushi okay, bite. Oh, the sushi so, bite. Sushi Ooh. bite. So for me, and it might have just again yeah. in that particular service, the the rice was a little dry. Okay. And so oh, it didn't, it wasn't torched, like soft it. sushi. And then it, a little, like there was so much char flavor that I couldn't taste over, anything else. It was over the top. It was so much. And then the amount of truffle on top was, was too, much too much too. The milkshake. 
It was great. Oh, oh my god. god! I'd never even heard of this um, I bean before. It. I chugged the tonka the bean milkshake. Tonka bean. The tonka beans? Yeah, that was Holy the first time I've ever experienced that. Tonka beans are cool as shit. That was so neat. So tell yeah, me about what is a tonka bean? So I mean, beans are poisonous until you cook it's them. Like, right? It's like it's like hemp. Like you would have to smoke a joint the size of a telephone pole to get high from it. <laughs> Love it. So like, yes, it technically, but like, it is technically poisonous, and it was um, it was banned for a while. But tonka beans have this like beautiful like the best way to describe it is like cognac meets like hazel nutty yeah. like vanilla deliciousness. I think we have to get him some of the bourbon that they do in the cognac barrel too. Your favorite, oh, the conviction at Southern Dis- Southern Grace, yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. they do they do one of their bourbons they put into an old cognac barrel oh, for cool. a year and it's amazing and yeah, you probably like, like that. It was like weird time to bust out a milkshake. I'll give it a and then I chugged it. Holy and shit! I, don't, I blacked so out. I don't know yeah. what happened. So good. And oh then a a um, absinthe soaked cherry yeah, in there, are, which was incredible. That was I was just like, well, this is all I want forever from no. here on out. I was like, give me a Shirley Temple made with that and only that. Well, and, and the, the sushi bite was the precursor to another dish. To my so you favorite have these, dish. And we won't spoil Should we not talk about it for those who have not? Like the way that well, they're these, never going to the have presentation. Oh, I mean, um, so we, this is crazy, but we commissioned those bowls to be made for the final dessert of our cinema menu like a year ago. And so we were finally able to do it. We're not going to do that presentation ever again. So, yeah, because because that was actually for the cinema dinner. So on that one, there was – so for those of you who can't see this, there is a bowl with a lid on top <laughs> we'll of it. We'll put pictures on On yeah. top of that lid was a piece of sushi. You remove the lid, and then underneath was another course, which was our cheese course in honor of Kill Bill Volume 2. Oh, I need you to talk it through because, A, I loved that you made that choice for Kill Bill Volume 2 because yeah. uh, Kill Bills are, like, my favorite. But mm-hmm. – um, Talk to me about that dish, because that ended up being my favorite dish. And I even yeah. threatened to take the bowl with me, and you told me they were priceless, and I couldn't. <laughs> so uh, it was a house-made brioche grilled cheese mm. that on the inside had... Humboldt um, fog. Yeah. It was a Humboldt fog cheese sauce that was yeah. poured over. Yeah, that's right. But it was a uh, Butterkasten cheese, which is a German butter cheese. Um, it's, that's German then, for bitch-ass cheese? Yeah. There was also a pear mustarda. On the uh, inside. And then there was a foie gras snow. Yep, foie gras there. snow. Because, you know. It was just Because insane. why not? Why that not? Was just That's how it, you know, <laughs> precipitates in Luxembourg and during the winter is foie yeah. gras snow. I need to go lay but there with my mouth open. That, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, that, that was my favorite. That is a great favorite. sound bite for you to edit out later. <laughs> oh, no, that actually goes in the editing. This is, <laughs> oh, this is all me. And well, it then goes you need the to edit that now. That's fantastic. But, um. But yeah, so that was a that was a cool course. And, you know, there's always some sort of teaser reveal that happens throughout the entire night. Um. And I'm not going to lie, I totally learned that and Borderline stole that from my old chef in Alinea and that, um, you know, Chef Grant Ackett's. And he used to tell us, um, you know, he wouldn't, when he was at the kitchen, you know, he would wait till the end of service and then we would have this like little tiny five minute like inspirational speech from Chef Grant, you know, and... There How was, good were they? Like on a they were phenomenal. 10? Okay. They were phenomenal. Every single one of them you learned something from. Mm-hmm. And... Um, cause he wasn't there, you weren't there to waste his time. He wasn't there to waste your time. And I greatly respect that. Another guy. strong leadership role. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, he told us one time, you know, he said, um, he said, chefs, you know, when you go work at other restaurants, you only have to work with, um, you know, fat, spice, salt, you know, going down the standard list. He was like, when you work here, you are tasked with having to also season with nostalgia and mm. magic. And that, Just drops you're like, fuck. <laughs> and, you know, the reason why he had that speech is because someone 
missed one element on one dish, but not having that one element on that one dish made that dish not function anymore. Right. Mm. And so it ruins that whole dish. And if you're paying, you know, at Alinea, you're paying on average like $500 a person to eat there. If you're paying $500 and one of your 12 dishes falls flat, you know, that's more than just 45 bucks. That's like, that's a big deal. So, you know, I tell the crew the exact same thing. It's like, you know, we have to, with every single dish, or at least every other dish, we need people to feel attachment to that dish. And we need, you know, keep people on their toes. Yeah. There was How, a great deal of attachment uh, with, a, with a lot of them. And I think the Tarantino storytelling, again, and this is just the one experience that we had, but they went from really like high-end presented dining. And then you had nachos. And then we had nachos, <laughs> yeah. like in a paper thing. Like That was that such a dick move that I did, I did. to... Or at the time, our chef de cuisine, you know, I was like, we have to make a dessert that looks like nachos in honor of the only food moment of this one movie, right. which is Death Proof. And it has to be the, you know, second to last dish. And she was pissed. Oh, but so she knocked it out. Yeah, she knocked yeah, it yeah. out. She did a great job. She and did the, a great job. The peanuts with the chocolate on them. Well, the mm-hmm. strawberries and just the best. Well, and, <laughs> just and again, it, it, there was even like the, the Royale with cheese kind of thing. Was that, which was yeah, the cheese that burger? It was, was the was big kahuna burger. Yeah. That's it. Because if it was a Royale with cheese, we, got it, we would have given you a quarter pounder with cheese from yep. McDonald's. Right, that's right. So we well, this was kahuna. easily, holy shit, just, yeah, uh, we'll I think we have a great of photo of me, by the way, with oh, that, uh, this that one. one. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic. But again, like really accessible things paired with things that I would have never thought exactly. to put together. Right. So that made the experience feel much more closer to home, like what we would yeah. know. But thematically, it was something that I felt like we, I couldn't have ever gone on that journey on my own yeah. with just the perspective of... I don't think I'd a, want to. Of even just yeah. a film nerd who's super into Tarantino. Right. It wasn't just that. It was it was something completely other um, from start to finish. Absolutely. So. You can catch the rest of our conversation with Chef Sam Hart of Counter next time on Amused Boosh. And while you're waiting, why not give us a rating? Turns out you can rate on Spotify now. I just figured this out. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com